0: Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: Welcome to episode number 11 of Fantasy Bites. I'm your host, Joe Bartle. Rounding out our Keeper Dynasty series John McKechnie, who gives us a breakdown of some of his favorite under-the-radar prospects for Devy League formats. John and Mario also detailed some of the more well known Debbie prospects in a rendition of the RotoWare NFL podcast, which will be linked in the description below. Without further ado, enjoy. <laughs> So, John, you're telling me a little bit before we hopped on the podcast that this tight end class, this upcoming tight end class could be one that's fairly good.
2: Yes, definitely. So uh, last year was a bit of a drought. Obviously, we didn't see a tight end taken in the first round. I think that we'll see um, this class shape up to be a little bit more similar to the 2019 class. Um, There aren't a, there isn't a school with the two tight end tandem of TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant the way that Iowa was. But um, when you look at um, Kyle Pitts out of Florida, when you look at Brevin Jordan out of Miami and maybe even a sleeper um, like Kylan Grantson out of SMU or Brant Keith out of Utah, there's just a lot of talent here. And, and particularly between the two um, guys in the state of Florida, Pitts and Jordan, those guys are standout athletes that are you know going to challenge for the top uh, target share in their respective offenses. They they are the best pass catchers on their respective teams at tight end. Uh, they cause a lot of mismatches for opposing defenses. Uh, Pitts was a, a terror for some of the best defenses that Florida faced last year. Jordan, uh, same way. So I, I'm particularly excited about those two. I think that both of those guys uh, profile as potential first-rounders.
1: I was just doing a, a bit of a rundown. I guess it was a mock draft of sorts um, for college prospects that are draft-eligible. I I saw Pitts go at least in the first 10 picks, and and this was encompassing all three. It it was basically three different levels of college tier prospects. So it was it was different, but that felt high to me. Would you say Pitts is on that kind of level for a, a prospect talent, especially at tight end?
2: Honestly, yes. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 6'6", 240 with, you know, that that just tremendous uh, catch radius, but he runs and moves just like a a slot receiver or something like that. So um, that that ability, that movement skill um, in a frame like that, that, you know, can jump out of the gym on top of it and, and reel the ball in basically anywhere uh, quarterback Kyle Trask wants to put it. Um, that's rare. I, I think that I really feel like Kyle Pitts is a rare guy. I don't know if he has that traditional tight end frame in the sense that um you know, he's going to be a, a huge addition to NFL teams, run blocking schemes and things like that. So teams will have to account for that and, and kind of use him as a pass catching only tight end. But uh, obviously that that's a role that's becoming more and more prevalent across the league as, you know, things shift a little bit more towards the passing game anyway. And we see uh, the the uh, the value of having uh, passing game mismatches, uh, you know, like a uh, like an Evan Ingram when when he's healthy or, or um Yep. Travis Kelsey, of course. Um, but, but the list goes on. I think Pitts uh, could end up, uh, being in a similar mode. M- Mark Andrews doesn't block at all and he's a great tight end. So I think that Pitts could, could fill something similar at the next level.
1: I see you're already hitting your Ravens bias. The over under on, on a uh, Ravens player mentioned was one and a half. So you've already hit that <laughs> in the first five minutes of the podcast. Of course. <laughs> all right. Well, good. We, we talked about the tight end prospects a little bit, but I want to get to some of your, your favorite under under the radar prospect, so to speak from the college football level. Again, we're trying to put this under the lens of a Debbie format. So you can draft some of these college guys uh, without knowing where they're going to go in the NFL and anticipate that they do something at the NFL level. We know a lot of the big name players, and I'm trying to avoid the Cheba Howard's Hubbards of the world and like Jamar chase. Obviously everybody knows how good he is, but of this group of under the radar guys, who's your third favorite uh, prospect to monitor for this season?
2: Number three, um, I'll start at running back and and uh, it's Kylan Hill out of Miss State. So uh, the, the two headliners at running back in this class are Chuba Hubbard, like you mentioned, and Travis Etienne, both kind of surprise returnees uh, to the college level after standout junior seasons at their respective schools. Um, but I think it's a pretty open question as to who that running back three is in this class. And Kylan Hill has the uh, unique opportunity this year where um, he won't be running to the ground because uh, the miss state hired Mike Leach away from Washington state. He's famously n- not big on running the ball. Uh, none of his running backs had over 130 carries um, during his time at Washington state. That would obviously be a big reversal for Kylan Hill who had 242 rushes a year ago. Um, I think that he, he ends up running it a bit more. This is the sec after all. So I, th- I think that he could profile for 150 or so carries, but really, the thing that he can sell NFL scouts on is his pass catching ability, because uh, usually the running back one in a Mike Leach offense uh, gets targeted upwards of 90 times. So if Kylan Hill is that busy in the passing game and is up to the challenge, uh, then that's going to be a huge mark in his favor um, looking at his prospects for the next level if you if you can prove to be on the f- or be worthy of being on the field and and be a plus in the passing game out of the backfield uh, that it's never been more important than ever um, in the NFL so I, I think that Kylan Hill has a huge opportunity in front of him I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to uh, nail it he's relatively unproven in terms of the passing game he's Never seen more than 29 targets in a season, never topped more than 180 yards receiving in a season. So uh, it's on him. But I think that uh, with the way that he's played through the first three years of his career at Miss State, I'm optimistic that that he will be up for the challenge and, and he'll round out his profile with, with a nice season, particularly in the receiving game.
1: Hill had a fantastic year last year, 1,350 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. You mentioned the receiving yards, 180 and a touchdown across 18 targets. I hate the Twitter scouts that tend to do this, but you look at some of the really upper echelon defense that he played last year during his breakout season Alabama, LSU, even Tennessee. He didn't fare all that well when it comes to rushing stats. I think he had uh, 16 carries, 35 yards against Alabama, a similar stat line for LSU, and even worse against Tennessee. Does that scare you a little bit when you're looking at his prospect profile uh, and projecting for the NFL level? Um,
2: I think that's a totally fair point. Um, you know, especially the 11 carries for 13 yards against Tennessee. That's, that really stands out as like what, uh, was happening, uh, that particular week. Like, I can't believe that miss state kept on kind of like running their heads into the wall on that one. Um, I, I, so that, that's a legitimate concern. I think you you could also point out to the fact that uh, Miss State didn't have much in the way of a passing game threat, both with the receivers that they were trotting out there and, and the quarterback playing being as inaccurate as it was. So uh, teams were really able to sell out and key in on just stopping Kylan Hill and, and the rest of the offense would kind of crumble around it. Um, so I think this year with with uh, Stanford graduate transfer KJ Costello uh, at quarterback and the, and the air raid uh, kind of tendency of this offense. I think that he, that Kylan Hill will have a little bit of a better setup to not be running against loaded boxes, but, uh, certainly it it is a little bit of a, something that makes you look twice, uh, when, uh, the best teams he goes against, uh, he, he has tended to falter at least in the box
1: score. You and Mario actually broke it down pretty substantially in the, uh, it was either Thursday or Friday Rotoware NFL podcast. And I have it linked in the description. We also talked about uh, at the beginning of the podcast too, uh, but just doubling back to that, how how do you really determine how good these players are when they play some of these up rush line teams? Um, and obviously there's a disparity between Alabama and everyone else or LSU and everyone else when it comes to the guys that they have on the defensive end. But I know there are a ton of people out there on Twitter and everywhere else that are doing the scouting and say, hey, look, he did this against X player and that's why he's good. Or, hey, he, looked, he did this against X player and that's why he's bad. Do you lean into that more when it comes to your analysis or do you look at the accumulation of the statistics throughout the entire season and then their age and everything else uh, to factor in what you believe in a prospect? Um, I think
2: certain games you kind of earmark, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, um, you know, how a guy, if if he's playing in the SEC West, like like Kylan Hill is, how does he do against LSU? Um, How does he do against Alabama and Auburn and so on and so forth? So that, that definitely factors in. I just don't know if it's like conscious to the point where it's like, oh, he only did against Alabama ergo uh he you know it's not going to go well for him I mean we, Brian Edwards did really well against Alabama this past year and you know he only went in the third round so um you, you do need to look at accumulative at things but you can definitely glean important anecdotes fr- from these bigger games like with uh, with Edwards being able to you know kind of go to work on uh on Trevon Diggs, it's like, okay, well, if he, if he was able to do that, uh, then, you know, that, that bodes well. So I think it does apply a little bit more to receivers that than running back. I think running the running game can be a little bit more team context oriented where, sure. uh, if it's a receiver going one-on-one on an Island with it, with a, you know, uh, cornerback who has since been drafted or is considered to be a first or second round talent, uh, that's a little bit easier to isolate.
1: I think that's fair enough. And, and it, sounds like what you should do really in all of life, just a combination of things come together when it, when it, when evaluating prospect, it can't just be one thing or the other, which I feel like happens too often. So maybe it's just the vocal minority that I see on Twitter doing these scouting combinations or whatever. Yeah.
2: The, 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 uh, Twitter scouts, it tends to be divided into two camps. You're either a film guy or, uh, an analytics metrics guy. And there doesn't seem to be enough guys that, that properly apply both of them to their uh, prospect analysis. And it'd be good to see more. And, and it'd see, it'd, it'd be good to see the, the, loudest proponents on both ends of that spectrum kind of, uh, come to that realization that, you know, both aspects are extremely important.
1: Number two. All right. Give me your second favorite under the radar prospect for Debbie league formats.
2: Um, I got to go with Tamorian Terry out of Florida State. Uh, a rare kind of specimen as far as his his frame is concerned. He's listed at uh, six four, I think two ten, and he's uh, reportedly bulked up a little bit uh, this off season as well. So when you look at guys like that. Um, it, at the NFL level, it's pretty rare. And it's, it's a bit of a grab bag as to guys that are successful versus guys that, that are washouts. Uh, you're familiar with Marquez Van Valdez, Scantling, of course, uh, Martavis Bryant, another guy who was, uh, six, four over two ten. that, that, um, Showed flashes, but never really truly put it together. But like AJ Green, Kenny Galladay, I think are, are the type of guys that you look for in terms of the trajectory on the upper uh, end of it. When you're when you're looking at Terry, um, he's someone that outproduced the offense. That his offense, uh, he was over 11 yards a target this past season. Florida State, in its own right, averaged like 8.1 yards per pass. Um, so he's outperforming the baseline uh, extremely well. There, he was he was killing it against uh, you know the upper echelon. Uh, teams that florida state would face you know seven catches for 131 against florida for example that's a good sign uh there there are a couple uh, instances where you watch the tape and uh, he catches the ball and he has a lot of speed for a guy that that's uh that that's that size. And it doesn't just look like he's gliding, like he's really uh, churning and, and running away from opposing defenses. So I think it's, it's just um, a little bit like, I think I talked to Mario uh, last week and, and I've said, maybe Tamori Terry answers the question of what, what if Auden Tate was fast? And, and uh, that might be uh, what he ends up being, which is pretty intriguing. I think Tate has Elements to his game that are good. He obviously just isn't uh, a stellar athlete. But if you have that frame with athleticism on top of it and you see some natural receiving skills there as well, um, Terry definitely has my interest.
1: I don't know if many other listeners are going to make this comparison right away, but when I hear six foot four from Florida State University, I think. Calvin Benjamin. And that's not a good comparison to make, especially given how he flamed out. Of course, there's probably at minimum a 30 pound difference between the two players, (laughs) (laughs) which, which can make a big difference when it comes to the receiving profile. But I mean, there, there's been tall receivers from the past specifically from Florida state that have looked to be impressive prospects and not really panned out the way you'd anticipate what makes Harry different than some of those other guys.
2: Um, I I just think that he, he does have like the speed element on top of that frame. He doesn't only dominate by being bigger, um, and being stronger. Like he, he, he has that ability to weave through traffic, um, to, you know, play in traffic as as well in terms of going over the middle, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know off the top of my head right now where he fits in terms like the, the route runner, uh, ranking of this class necessarily, but, um, you don't need to be the crispest guy in the world when you're, when you're able to, you know, not only, uh, out, out jump somebody for, for the ball, but also outrun them as well and and blow by them. So Terry's got a lot of just really intriguing traits. And I think it's starting to come together, uh, despite playing in an offense that, you know, especially over these last two years has been, uh, a you know, a very poor one by by Florida State standards, and he's still being able to put up a really impressive production with, with a subpar quarterback play. Um, I think there's a lot to like about him.
1: Who ends up being the better uh, Scary Terry when Terry gets drafted in the NFL? Because we already have Scary Terry Terry McLaurin for the Redskins, who uh, God willing for my fantasy teams this year ends up going crazy again. I don't know if we can have both of those guys have the same nickname in the NFL in two years.
2: I know. Yeah. So I think Tamorian is probably going to have to pivot to to a different nickname because (laughs) I I think scary Terry McLaurin is, is here to stay. And, and, uh, as long as he's doing the things that he did as a rookie in, in 2019, then, uh, there's no one knocking him off of, off of that, uh, naming. Right. So he, he's got that unlock until further notice, even though Tamorian certainly has the potential to be, to be, um, worthy of the scary Terry nickname. I just think it's McLaurin's for, from here on, even though I, I like uh, f one McLaren uh, as, as the McLaurin nickname. Uh, you know, yeah. The Ferrari uh, comp there. I, I like that one personally. I think it's a little bit more inventive than just scary Terry. Uh, if, if the nickname moves to the, to just the F one, uh, then scary Terry is open for tomorrow to take it and run.
1: There you go. Our, our nickname <laughs> breakdown for, for when you really are diving into that and in your Debbie prospects, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right. From one OSU receiver to another, who's your favorite under the prospect for Devy league formats?
2: Number one. All right, let's go with Chris Olave. I think that a lot of times when you look at the upper echelon of the, of this upcoming receiving class, you start with um, Jamar chase, you start with Jalen Waddle, you start with Devonte Smith. Um, I don't think that Olave gets quite as much love as he's deserving of. He's been pretty electric ever since he found his way onto the field late in his freshman year. Uh, started to blossom uh, in in 2019 as a true sophomore. Uh, had 12 touchdowns on 76 targets. Um, you know, had to share some work with um, with KJ Hill and a couple other uh, older uh, Ohio State players. That I think the runway is totally clear for him to be the number one target. Um, in this Ohio State offense, and he's going to get the attention that that he deserves because being the the number one for Justin Fields for who I would predict is is the Heisman favorite at this point uh, that's going to get a lot of attention on on him and people are going to start to realize that olave it's just a big play waiting to happen. You know, a guy that, that can average, uh, over 11 yards a target, um, like a 17 yard, uh, per catch type of guy. So he's making his damage, uh, down the field and he's doing it at at an efficient rate as far as the per target basis, um, is concerned. Um, silky route runner, um, just has a, has a nose for the ball. Um, I've liked the way that that he's played since, uh, you know, since I started noticing him late in his freshman year, um, 6'1", 188 So not that, not like the bulkiest guy in the world there, but, um, I think that frame is good enough to project, uh, at the next level as well. So, um, there's a lot going for him. And I think that this year, um, is really going to be a great opportunity for him to establish himself a, as a potential first round
1: talent. I think he's a great candidate for this kind of, format or this kind of podcast uh, topic, because you're right. As a Badgers fan, I can tell you for certain, I did not like how he played this past <laughs> season because two of his three best games were against the badgers. He had five catches for 94 yards uh, in, in that big 10 championship, I think. And then the, the, the seven catch 93, Yard and two touchdowns, of course, uh, where they slaughtered him again the first time. No, and he's been he's been a problem. I think he's dynamic. I, like you talk about fluid receivers, he can do a lot after the catch, which seems which seems to be the biggest focal point for receivers now than maybe even five years ago is what they can do after the catch because all offenses in the NFL are almost solely focused on that. Mike McCarthy is just super excited about it overall. Uh, I, I I think like that that's like the biggest takeaway from it. But you're right, if he adds even more bulk to his frame. You're talking about one of the more elite-looking prospects that also has the tape to back it up.
2: Yeah, he does, and you know there there are questions with the frames on. You know if you if you if you're going to like quibble about Olave's frame, you know you got to apply that same critique to Devonte Smith, who's six uh, one and, and even skinnier than Olave by by a few pounds, and, and Jalen Waddle uh, a fair bit smaller as well. There, so um, I, I don't think frame is going to be the the thing that that not that um, Knocks him down draft boards at all and it, it could get even better like you said if if he continues to uh develop physically and bulk up uh, just a little bit more but uh, yeah, I think that there's everything to his game in terms of just like the the natural receiving talent the the ability after the catch that you mentioned uh he just seems to know what he's doing out there and and for him to uh, come on late in the season at, as a freshman where uh obviously Ohio State was uh throwing the ball to Terry McLaurin, uh, KJ Hill, uh, Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, like all those, you know, upperclassmen guys, guys that that were draft eligible at the time, eligible at the time. And it was Olave pulling down two touchdowns against Michigan. Like, I think that that's, that's a statement that he was cracking that pecking order that early in his career. I
1: absolutely agree with you. And I wanted to hammer this home, uh, for a lot of listeners for one final question. You just mentioned a bunch of different guys that have gotten drafted fairly highly, from receivers out of Ohio State, what makes Alave different than those guys? Because I think there there's some noticeable things that people are gonna be. Oh, well, Paris Campbell didn't do well this year. Okay, yeah, Terry McLaurin was great, but he's the focal point for a Redskins offense that only has Terry McLaurin last year. What makes Alave different than some of those guys that have been drafted recently? So I'm, I'm not sure that he has the
2: four, the low four, three, uh, type of speed, but I think that he, he's like the combination of like a lot of the best characteristics otherwise. And, and, you know, Campbell, like he had a very like manufactured wonky role that, that was going to be, um, hard for him to transition into more of like a, a standard, uh, NFL type of, uh, Task set. I, I think that Olave can do everything as far as a route runner is concerned to, to translate both uh, on the outside um, and out of the slot, if if need be. Um, he's got the he is like the classic Ohio State receiver in terms of the athleticism. Other than maybe maybe like the the 99th percentile speed, but everything else, I think he's got to him. And I think he's got um, a little bit more polish maybe, and not not solely relying on that on that athleticism because he has. Um, Just that, that kind of know, innate uh, know-how that, that helps make him a great receiver.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say, if you were going to Frankenstein a bunch of different Ohio State receivers together, Alave, I think, is is basically what you're trying to get the top-end echelon of those guys. You're right, minus the speed, I think he's got the agility, and I, I feel like he's a better route runner than a few of these other guys that uh, have come up before him and gotten drafted really high. So it'll be interesting. The wide receiver class is, I, I thought it was deep this past year. I think it's going to be even deeper, at least certainly top-heavy, uh, this next year. and It'll be interesting to see where he gets drafted. So thanks for coming on, John, and breaking down some of the, your favorite under the radar Debbie prospects for this upcoming season and entering NFL. Well, I guess the 2021 NFL season.
2: Yes. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take note that you had, you hit your quota for Mike McCarthy digs, uh, on the, <laughs> on this segment as well. So we, we at least yeah. got that covered on both ends.
1: Yeah. We got the Ravens and Mike Carthy Woods. we're all we're all good to go all right thanks for coming on all right brother that does it for us in episode number 11 of the show special thanks as always to the racing pulses for lending their music as well as john mckechnie for coming on and breaking down some of his favorite under the radar prospects stay tuned for another episode hitting the airwaves in the near future thanks for listening